There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Luke's English Podcast is made possible thanks to the premium subscription in which I help you focus specifically on learning vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation. The idea is that as well as listening to episodes of this podcast to get plenty of exposure to authentic English as it is spoken, you can also get the benefit of my teaching skills as I break things down for you into bite-sized chunks, helping you learn more vocabulary, understand grammar properly, and develop clear and natural pronunciation. Recently, I've uploaded two premium episodes. There's P30, which is all about how you can speak more persuasively, more engagingly, and clearly by breaking your speech into chunks. And there's video, audio, and PDF versions of that. And then P31, which is called What Did Jill Say? And it focuses on useful language used by my mum and me in our recent conversation about the Beatles in episode 717. And that includes grammar for speculating about the past with modal verbs and loads of nice vocabulary expressions too. To access all those episodes, you need a premium account. And to sign up for that or to get all of the information that you need, including exactly how reasonable the prices are, you could just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. Luke's English Podcast Premium. teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. So, hello, listeners. How are you today? You are now listening to episode number 732. And in this one, I'm talking again to Christian Saunders from Kangaroo English. This is the second time I'm talking to him on the podcast. I previously interviewed Christian in episode 686 last year and got to know him a bit. But I wanted to talk to him again after having seen some of his most recent videos on YouTube about language and language learning. In his videos, Christian often challenges certain assumptions and myths about language learning. And so I thought it might be interesting to talk to him about those things. So I came up with some questions about language, learning language and teaching English on the internet. There is a video version of this conversation on my YouTube channel too. So don't forget to check it out. And of course, don't forget to like and subscribe while you're there. Don't forget to smash that like button. Okay, guys. Um, there's no more for me to add here in the introduction. I hope you enjoy this conversation and get some good things from it. Once again, Christian's YouTube channel is called Kangaroo English and his website is kangarooenglish.com. Okay, right. So let's get started. And here we go. Hello, we're talking about language. Sit down, let's have a chat. Hmm? A bit of a chat, sir. A bit of a chat. Yes, Roger, just a bit of a chat. What about, sir? About English as a global language. This is a conversation. Yes. I would like to talk to you. Okay, let's talk. Let's have a quick conversation, huh? What do you think? That's what we're going to do. Away, baby, let's go. We're going to have a good time. 
We're going to have a conversation about language. Christian, hello. Good morning. Morning. Good morning, Luke. Um, I'm so honoured that you would invite me back. Um, I, I have to say that of of all of the kind of YouTube channels and podcasts that I've ever been, you know, invited on, yours, uh, yours, I think, is the only one where I've just had so many people uh, come to me and say, "I know you because of Luke," or "I heard you on Luke's um, podcast." So clearly, you're a very popular man, which is um, which is to your credit, sir. To your credit, um, I'm deeply influential. Uh, everything I say has huge consequences and ramifications around the world. So it's very nice to be able to spread my influence <laughs> on planet Earth. When when people ask you what you do, how do you describe yourself? Sometimes it's a bit too complicated to say that I'm a podcaster. Plus also if I say oh, I'm a podcaster, it sort of makes me feel a bit like a twat. So I probably don't say that. I tend to say that I'm an English teacher and I also have a podcast, and then oh, actually, that's the main thing I do these days. What about you? What do you What do you say? Um, yeah, it is complicated because um, saying that you're a YouTuber unfortunately puts you into a basket or puts you into a category with a lot of unsavory characters. And because I'm thinking about how what you said about having influence, right? And you know, I think now, like being a YouTuber, being an influencer. A lot, a lot of these things have a lot of negativity associated with them, right? And so it's kind of sometimes embarrassing, even to say that you're, you know, that you're part of that. <laughs> that you're that you're an Instagram influencer, because then people just imagine that you're posing with your bum out on a beach somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> and they're thinking they're looking at me and going, "How the hell is this? What is he doing with <laughs> beard-related products? What what's he selling?" <laughs> Although I have, I have to tell you just a quick little story. Um, because uh, we, we we went on holiday recently to to Gran Canaria, um, because it's part of Spain, so we don't actually leave. Technically, you're not leaving the country, so you don't have to worry about you know uh, travel restrictions. So uh, when uh, when we went there, there was I don't know if it's the time of year or if it's just because you know, certain places get associated with tourists from certain countries, right? Yes. And it seems that in Gran Canaria, there's a lot of, um, a lot of German tourists and me and my wife discovered that German men, um, are not afraid of wearing very, very small swimwear. And we saw a guy on the beach. He was probably 50 years old, between 50 and 60 um, enormous beer gut, right? Yeah. And he was wearing a pink thong on the beach. Oh my God. A thong. A thong. Not so just his, a... His, his butt was out, right? Yeah. What's the just if, what's the thinking behind the thong for, 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 well, for anyone, but especially for men, what's the, well, what's the justification? So just in case people don't know, <laughs> a thong is not just a pair of speedos, but it's where at the back you've got kind of like string. And then one piece of string that goes into the bum crack. And it's essentially like the closest you can get to just not wearing any, any pants at all. Uh, but what's the, what's the, what's the justification um, for wearing one of those? The justification is that you, you are tanning every available, you know, square inch of your skin. You have a perfectly even tan, no lines, you know, no, no marks. 
And I mean, the guy was was a perfectly even color all over, which which is incredible to me because if I go to the beach and try to tan, I tan in kind of stripes and patches and yeah, it's like me. I don't know how, pe- like how people do. It. Yeah. Oh, I, wow. I, for video viewers, you can see right now that, I mean, maybe it's not that clear, but I've got the classic English tan where there is a line where the, where the arm of my t-shirt stops. There is a clear line and it's the same on the back of my neck where I'm, you know, I'm tanned and then wherever my t-shirt's been is just like awful pale flesh. Um, so yeah, I guess that's what this guy was doing. He was just trying to get the all over body tan, but it's a bit oh, weird, right. isn't it? That like, like he's so, uh, so um conscious of his appearance but he's got this huge beer belly so you know get the priorities right mate exactly but i mean i couldn't tell him any of this because i don't speak german so right and would you anyway uh, excuse me uh you're german right okay let's conduct this conversation german um you've, you've got your bum out <laughs> but <laughs> but uh you're not working on your beer belly what's going on i don't know that would be that would be strange indeed um, i'm gonna i'm gonna guess that maybe um beer belly in german is that beer guten maybe something like that right beer Could gut. Be. it's gonna be one word isn't it it's gonna be one long word a oh, compound yeah. noun of some kind <laughs> um okay so I don't know how we ended up talking about thongs and beer bellies, but uh, but we yeah, did. I'm really sorry. We've kind of immediately brought the whole tone of the discussion down. It. <laughs> well, for me, it was down there already. Anyway, that's kind of where I live. Is you know in that at that level. Uh, but this is where I can segue into talking about your content. I should also say that this is the people listening to this um, on the podcast. This is also available on YouTube, so you can see video versions of this. And if you do watch the video, you'll see two bearded men. It's it's like battle of the beards uh, today. <laughs> Although I think there is one yeah. there is one area of inequality, Luke. Um. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. My my hair is sprouting um it's almost it's in fact too long i'm having a haircut tomorrow but i think you win in the in the beard uh department i think you've got the stronger healthier beard going on yeah but look it's already gray you know i mean come on come on that's good though does it make me does it make me look like george clooney because i think he's got you know some salt and pepper in his beard no it makes it's it's very distinguished having some gray in the beard it gives you a very distinguished look I think it's uh, I think it's good. Thank you. Right, so so Christian, I wanted to talk to you again because for for a while I've wanted to have a, have a deeper discussion about some of the videos which you've put up on YouTube uh, and some of the ideas and opinions you've presented in those videos. And you put up uh, quite a lot of content on YouTube, and most of your videos are monologues, and they're a bit like video essays in which you present an argument about some aspect of English learning. Also, you're, you're often a bit controversial, and I think that you like to challenge accepted views on language learning, smash myths which are perpetuated among the community and industry of language learning. You often use metaphors, and you usually speak in this deliberate and persuasive manner, and sometimes I feel like you are a bit like Morpheus from The Matrix, you know, um, almost like feel like you would say, you know, what, what if I told you? that blah 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 like you know a lot of your videos are things like you know what if i told you that learning a language was like eating a pineapple you know i feel like um or blue pill red pill right 
yeah. blue pill, red pill. Which pill, actually, Christian, in terms of yeah. language learning, the blue pill or yeah. the red pill? It's an yeah. easy question, I suppose. It's like if you if you take this pill, you will continue your normal life, believing that you can get fluent in three months, and that you need to have a British accent to communicate. If you take this pill, um, then you'll see the truth, <laughs> which is that um, you have to suffer for the rest of your life. But at least you'll be awake. Which one do you want? <laughs> yes, it is like the Matrix. Yeah, the, the the hard truth and the and just kind of like yeah, being given the myth and stuff. But uh, these are some of the things I wanted to talk to you about, right? So I just wanted to have a conversation with you about some of the points you've made in your videos. And here's a kind of an, an overview of some of the ideas. So recently you did one about comprehensible comprehensible that's not how you say that comprehensible input and Stephen Krashen you've talked about course books and language classrooms just the whole idea of right and wrong in English uh, grammar exams setting goals and objectives pronunciation speaking like a native and then general advice for learning English these are just some of the things that we could cover we probably won't deal with all of them but before we do that um I would just like to ask you, uh, ask you this: so Where do your ideas come from? Um, what is the uh, what are your ideas based on? Where do your opinions about language learning actually come from? I mean, my my, my video ideas are basically whatever I'm kind of obsessed with at at the time. I don't. I'm not going to try and pretend that there's any order or logic um, about about the. There's no structure. It's just you know I'm kind of obsessed about you know, the, you know, comprehensible input. So I'm just going to make a video about it. Um, that's actually something that um, uh, I wanted to, to, I wanted to try and take more control of that. You know, I wanted to really um, like this year, I wanted to introduce more structure, right. Into, and have some sort of plan, but it, it hasn't <laughs> happened so far. I'm still, I'm still waiting for that to, to happen. Um, it's, Total but chaos, I mean, I think, basically, is what you're what you're suggesting that you're just you're, chaos. You, it's just complete chaos behind the scenes. Like the videos are very well presented; it all looks very, very beautiful and very well organised. The way you speak in them is very controlled, but actually behind the scenes, behind the curtain, it's just complete madness. Like, oh god, what am I going to do next? I know how um, you feel. It's like that for me too. It is, it is. I mean, I think, I think I went. I went through a phase where. I was totally obsessed with just the the research, you know, um, and and I thought, and I thought that um, if if you do exactly what they what they say in the research, like if you if if a paper comes out and it says um, the best thing, that, you know, we've studied fifty people, and the best thing you can do is this, and I'd be like, right, okay, everybody, we should do this. Uh, I had a few converse, conversations with um, some people, you know, that have a lot of experience in the field, you know, like like 50 years of, of working in in not just research, but also in the classroom, you know, and I, and I think I slowly began to realize that, number one, um, and this is something which is kind of new to me, you know, in like in the past, let's say in the past 12 months, um, Number one is that, you know, research can only be trusted to a point, you know, and that, um, you know, a bigger problem in science right now in, in all fields, you know, in, in biology and, and, and physics and is replication, 
right? So you can do a study one week in one place and then you, you know, then you repeat it somewhere else and you find something completely different, you know? So I think I have learned to become suspicious, right? Not suspicious, skeptical about research. And so now I'm trying to find this balance between, um, between, you know, following what, what do we, what does the science tell us about, about language learning, but also like, what do I know from actually working with students and what, um, and people who have been teaching for 20 years or 30 years, you know, what do they know? Because they are actually in the classroom doing it, you know, and, and those, so it's that balance, right. Where, where both things are equally valuable and, you know, we have to be skeptical of both. Right. So that's, that's sort of where I am right now. Yeah. yeah, critical thinking, but academic research that you've read, experienced professionals who you've spoken to, and then just your own experience, it all sort of combines together to yeah. to create the the positions that you that you have on things. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure, Luke, that that you that you know there are things. I, I'm sure that there are things that you that you've you know that you would do in the classroom that are probably mm-hmm. let's say against you know, against what the research says, right? But, well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what I'm doing in my classrooms, uh, Christian. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, yes, yes, I would probably say so. I wonder what. But, um, yeah, there's bound to be things that sort of are traditionally considered to be wrong. I mean, there's always disagreement. You know, things swing this way and that way. Like, yes. you know, the, the idea of teacher talking time uh, whenever when I was like going through all my training, that was like a bad thing, and it, people t- talked about how terrible that was. Uh, but then, like a few years later, you know, these articles and papers and stuff talking about how great teacher talking time is, and that actually, if the teacher devotes some time, not too much, but some time to talking to the students, that the students then are more likely to replicate it. You know, that in a task, if you if you give an example, the students kind of get the idea and. You know that that's kind of natural. That if I do five minutes of talking, you, you feel obliged to do five minutes of talking in return, and so yeah. teacher talking time can actually increase student talking time and things like that. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, um, exactly. And also, you know, what also goes with that is when the teacher is talking, should you prohibit them from talking? You know, let's say they're sp- they're they're um they're they're they're, they're native Spanish speakers. Should they be prohibited from speaking Spanish if they're teaching English? You know, should they only speak in English if they're teaching English? You know, this is another thing. For for many, many years, teachers were told, whatever you do, don't speak in your native language, right? Because you're you're robbing all your students of the opportunity to hear the language. But now, you know, now it's kind of the other way. It's like, it's fine to speak in your native language, right? But Yeah, a bit, yeah. You know, and this is again, this is probably something that teachers who have been in the classroom for 30 years, they already know this, right? So that's why, you know, that's why following the research uh, has to be done with with skepticism, right? Plus the fact that um, the history of sort of understanding language learning, which is fairly, it's fairly recent, really, 
um, that you've gone through all these different phases that one accepted standard gets replaced by another and another and another. And it kind of goes through these trends that seem to contradict each other to an extent. So, yeah, it's kind of like we, we're on shifting sands in terms of language learning and understanding how it works and the general uh, accepted approaches to it change all the time. So, yeah, you've got to be you've got to be um, skeptical um or uh, of of the the research and yes use a lot of practical experience just what what works in the classroom for you yeah. Yeah, um exactly. getting more specific right so the other day i saw one of your uploads and it was about stephen Krashen mm -hmm. and the input hypothesis and for those people who, who aren't aware of it that stephen Krashen's theory is the idea that people learn learn languages primarily through understanding written and oral texts, that you learn a language basically when you understand it, and reading and listening are, are essential parts of the process. And this is a very popular idea. It's often quoted and repeated, especially these days. And you kind of, uh, you sort of disagreed with it in the video. And I felt... I felt a little bit disappointed because as a podcaster, obviously the Stephen Krashen's ideas, which are that learners should consume a lot of English, do lots of listening and reading. Obviously, this idea suits me quite well because here I am producing content for people to, to use to, to learn. So I, I was a little disappointed, you know, with, with your, um, your diagnosis of it. So what, what's, so yeah, what's, what's your beef with the, Stephen Krashen and the input hypothesis. Um, yeah, so th there is um, there is one thing that I regret about that video, right? Which is I didn't make something clear, which I thought which I thought would be clear, but then when I when I look at the video again, I realize that it's not. But basically, Stephen Krashen's um, uh, well, his language acquisition kind of theory. Or the input hypothesis has five parts. Yeah, and and one of those is is that we we learn only through input, right? Through comprehensible input. Um, uh, and I included a, a, a portion of an interview he did very recently where he says that um, we only you know we only acquire language when we when we understand it, right? So we don't acquire language from speaking. We don't acquire language from studying or memorizing or any of those things. So, um, you know, the theory is that this, that it's just everything that comes in that that's all you need to, to, to learn a language. Um, and my, my video was specifically to disagree with, with that. But what yes. I didn't make clear was that, um, uh, of course you need input, right? Um, uh, like, I wasn't saying that you don't need input. What I was disagreeing against is that you need only input, right? And I, so I'm, I'm upset with myself that I didn't make that clear. And so um, in the comments or, or underneath the video, a lot of people, uh, you know, kind of said, well, you know, this guy's an idiot because um, how are you going to learn a language if you don't have any input? And, I, and I'm just like, oh, God, no, that's not what I wanted to say. <laughs> you know, of course you need input, but it cannot be just only input. Um, uh, and, of course, the other – so there's basically two main threads to the people who don't agree with, with my video. The first one is that, of course, you need input, right? And the second, the second one is um, that 
basically I don't understand the, his his theory. Okay, so I mean, this is this is a very typical kind of argument, not just you know on YouTube, but in anywhere. It's like if you disagree with something, then the reason you disagree with it is because you don't understand it. So you need to read more, or you just need to be smarter. You're obviously an idiot, right? But you know, people can disagree with things and also fully understand it, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. What apparently don't you understand about it? That's not made clear. Well, I mean, some people have said, you know, you don't understand the theory because uh, Mr. Krashen doesn't actually say that you're not allowed to speak. In fact, he says that speaking is good, right? And he doesn't, you know, so he's not he's not prohibiting output. So this video is a straw man argument, right? It's basically you are constructing your misrepresenting his views, which I don't think that I am because sure. He's not prohibiting speaking or writing or any kind of conversation or output, but why would you do it? If you don't, if, if it's, if you only need input, right? So he's, Mm. he's prohibiting it through, um, through reduction. I mean, what I mean is if you only need input, to learn a language, then why would I waste my time having conversations or, or writing a diary or, you know, doing any of that, right? Yes. But the theory doesn't prohibit speaking, which is obviously a vital thing to, to practice. I guess what, by acquisition, uh, I guess he's talking about sort of getting language because it's so complicated. You, you know, you've got to get the stuff first and then you've got to produce it but have it's got to be in there first before it can come out, I suppose is what he's thinking. In the world of language learning, like if you're just an ordinary person wanting to learn a language, you probably have never heard of Stephen Krashen and you can spend 20 years learning a language and you will never hear of him, right? You know, he's like everybody in this field, you know, he's a fringe kind of person. He's a, a you know, a, a small personality, right? Mm-hmm. Um you know, so the video attra- has attracted lots of people who, who either are English teachers or they work as researchers. You know, this kind of people. So the discussion is a different kind of discussion, um, and there's a lot of people saying, "Well, how can you how can you be against the input hypothesis uh, when there's so much research to support it?" Well, I mean, there isn't for a start. Uh, and in fact, you know, and in fact, there's, there's, there's lots of research to show that, um, to show that, that without output, um, that you, that you, you, you can't really progress, right? I mean, this, for, for example, I don't know if you, if you know, um, uh, the, the book by, um, uh, Spada and Lightbound called, uh, it's called How to Learn a Language. Um, I don't, no, I don't think I do. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, uh, for people who go to university and study language acquisition, it's kind of like one of the Bibles, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they just released the fifth edition, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, which has been revised, you know, and, and just, I'm just going to read a very small part from this. It says sure. that, um, research has overwhelmingly confirmed that vocabulary growth will be limited if the learner does not also engage in focused vocabulary uh, learning activities. 
And there's also evidence that vocabulary development is more successful when learners are fully engaged in activities that require them to use them in productive tasks, right? So I just think the accusation that all of the weight of evidence is on the side of, of, you know, the input hypothesis is just not true at all, you know? And I mean, I actually asked my wife about this because I thought, well, I could make a video where I just pull out all of the evidence, all of the, you know, academic research against this, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm kind of, uh, then what's the point of like me? What's the point of my, you know, my personality and, and my own, what's the point of my own identity if I'm just regurgitating other people's stuff? So I, I kind of decided to do it um, without, without talking about any research at all. So Okay. So, we, I mean, do your videos get sort of heated responses? Do people disagree with you and stuff? Um, I'm going to say... In general, like 90, 95% of the time, um, no. It's like, you know, all of the comments are just love, you know. Yeah, um, I've seen that. And, and I think, you know, and that is and that that is absolutely not because, you know, my content is, um, is, is, is like the best or anything. Because if you look at, if you look, you know, if you look at uh, basically any English teacher on, on YouTube, you know, go and look at even the tiny channels, massive channels. It's all love in the comment yeah. section. Right? All love. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Every, like, yeah. I, you know, I have to admit, sometimes I'll have a look at other people's content and people are writing, you're the best English teacher in the world. And I think to myself, wait a minute, I thought I was the best. In- what? Who is this person? You know, and every single English teacher online is the best English teacher in the world, which is like, okay, yeah. great. This is fine. Um, yeah. I mean, how did we, how did we end up? in an industry where we're appreciated so much. I mean, that's really lucky, right? I think I have to say a large part of it is because we're, we're giving it all away for free, right? Yeah. I mean, English is, is a sort of a buyer's market in a sense. I, I don't yeah. want that to sound like we're not privileged to have English as our first language. Cause obviously it's a huge privilege. Uh, you know, I think about that all the time that cause English is, like this language that everyone wants and it's my first language and you know i just grew up speaking like this it's just a huge privilege that allows me to just you know people just want to listen to me um uh, but um what was what was the what, what was the question what were we talking about why do we experience so much positivity so much love right? um, maybe sometimes i think it's because we give away content free and so people feel sort of uh, that they should be very uh positive but at the same time you know maybe it's just that language learners are generally sort of lovely there's something inherently humane about learning a language and when you're learning it from someone who's there to help you that that is sincerely um a a a a pleasant thing and people feel that they genuinely get things from us and so they feel it's only natural to then say thank you so much because we are, maybe we are being helpful. Maybe it's justified. Maybe it's not just hyperbole from from our audience. Maybe they really mean it. You know, I I, I think so. I re- I really yeah. do. I, I really think so. Um, and and you know, this goes back to the thing you said at the very beginning of this conversation, right? About how 
um, you want people to consume your content, right? And, and you know, if, if there's somebody out there who's saying, you know, you don't need input, right? Then it's kind of like, oh, but, um, you know, I think Crashin would actually be on, 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 um, on, on your side a hundred percent because I think your content is actually, you know, you, you're not on this podcast to, you know, give lessons about how to construct the present simple, you know, or, um, you know, what's the best way to memorize 10 words, you know, you're actually producing content, right? Like the language is secondary. It's like people, people listen to you because they want to actually hear the content of what you're saying. It's not, um, you know, focus on form, not focus on forms or, or, or whatever it is. Um, you know, like hopefully the consequence is that sort of they do. I mean, this is, this is basically Stephen Krashen's idea to like, to put it very simply that people will just sort of pick up English as a consequence of focusing on the message that's being communicated. And it's a long-term process and stuff, but of course that can't be the only thing. I mean, I, I always say that my podcast is best consumed as, as part of a balanced diet. You know that yeah. it's obviously yeah. just listening to me is not going to be be everything. You need to do lots of speaking. You need to read and write and all those other things too. Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, um, but again, it's it's the question that the, the student has to ask themselves. You know, well, what what do you want? Uh, because, um, like, uh, I I spoke a couple of years ago to um, Steve Kaufman, the the. Uh, the hyperpolyglot, the Canadian hyperpolyglot. So yes. he speaks. I don't exactly know how many languages he. Too many languages, Christian. He needs to stop. Someone needs to stop him. <laughs> stop stevekaufman.com. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, you know, and, um, and I know that for some of his languages, you know, he's not interested in having conversations in those languages. You know, he wants to just you know, read, he wants to be able to consume content and that's fine. Like that's his, you know, he wants to, he wants to know the language in the same way that we might, you know, I might, um, I might be fascinated with rabbits. And so I read a book about, you know, I read a book about the anatomy of rabbits and rabbit behavior, but I'm not going to, you know, make rabbits my full-time job, you know? So oh, I'd, I'd hope, I'd hope so. Cause that would be a terrible idea. Like Christian, what happened to Christian from Kangaroo? Oh, he, yeah, he, he, he stopped doing YouTube and, well, I know he's just got really obsessed with rabbits. It's really weird. Anyway, that's best oh not God. talk about it. <laughs> this, this, this is why I have to write scripts for my videos because otherwise I come out with the dumbest <laughs> examples in the world. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, what was um, the point you were making though? Sorry. You know what? I, I, <laughs> Um, no, I think the point is that, um, you know, so, so Steve, when he's learning a language, sometimes his, his, his objective is, is probably what, for example, Stephen Krashen would call acquiring language. You know, he wants to yeah. just know it, you know, but, you know, for a lot of learners, uh, if you, especially if you're learning English, let's say for a practical reason, you know, like you do want to be able to, um, maybe, work in that language right then then input isn't going to be enough like exactly what you said you need the balanced diet um so uh, you know the first question is always the student has to ask themselves what you know what do i want um mm. and you know just i think the general rule 
is to be wary of anybody who tells you that they have the answers, you know, because like <laughs> a, a few months ago, I had an interview with um, Diane Larson Freeman, who is, um, who has been, she's a, a, a um, uh, oh my God, what are they called? Um, a teacher. She, well, she, she started as an English teacher and then uh, now she worked, well, she's an applied linguist right? Which means that okay. the work that she does is actually practical rather than yeah. theoretical. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, she's written various books about language acquisition. Um, and the first question I asked her when, when I met with her is, so Diane, what's the secret to learning a language? And she said, I don't know. <laughs> right? And this is after 50 years. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, so, of course. There, you know, there is no secret. See, uh, yeah. Yeah, so like when I see a twenty-three-year-old guy on YouTube going, "Hey guys, you know, uh, fifty-nine ninety-nine a month. I've got the secret. You'll be fluent in six months." I'm like, "No, so no, you the, won't." The, also, the stupid thing about that saying the secret to blah 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 is like it's not a secret. Like, like uh, there's a whole industry. The in- there's a whole machine. Its entire purpose is to tell everyone everything that we know about how to learn a language that I, for 20 years, I've been banging on about it in classrooms, you know, um, explaining it as explicitly and clearly as I possibly can, how to learn English. There's no secret. No one's keeping this stuff secret. Oh, we know how to learn a language, but let's not tell anyone. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, there's no secret. Um, but yeah, that's just sales language, isn't it? I mean, that's clickbait. Um, I did have a question for you about that, but, um, yeah, it so, is. So, um, mm. No, no, yeah. and uh, I wonder if you're going to ask me about how clickbaity some of my um, video titles are. Yeah. Go ahead. Let, I, that is one of my questions. So, yeah, I was going to say, where do you stand on clickbait? And it might be necessary to define clickbait for some uh, viewers or listeners who don't really know what we mean. So what is clickbait? Um, I would say that clickbait is uh, – either a, a, an, an image, you know, so like a, a video thumbnail image or a title or a description that's designed to, to attract you to click on the video or to like listen to the podcast. But the, the, the problem with clickbait is that usually the, this surface appearance, you know, so the, the first thing you see doesn't actually represent what's inside the video. Right. Um, yes. So you'll see this on a lot of, a lot of uh, videos on YouTube in general, where it will be a video about fishing. And of course the thumbnail is, you know, a girl in a bikini uh, with a fish, you know, so you click on it because you want to see the girl in the bikini, not because you're interested in fishing. Yeah. (laughs) And then when you watch the video, the girl with the bikini is not even in the video, right? That's clickbait. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Other examples. I mean, I, I I watch a lot of videos because I'm a bit of a geek um, about films and things, right? And uh, there is um, there are tons of videos about Star Wars and Marvel movies where they they like you know um, like Thanos's secret plan, and then there's like a picture of Thanos from Avengers Endgame with a red circle around like something on his shoulder. And there's like a red circle on his shoulder. And you're like, wow, what is this theory? What was Thanos' secret plan? But of course, you know, it's just clickbait. There's no actual content. It's just a guy saying, you know, 
Hi guys, today we're going to do three PlayStation giveaways. It's just PlayStation giveaways and and really nothing else. So yeah, that's clickbait. But clickbait why, is why are they also always American. Hmm, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but clickbait is kind of uh, rife in the English teaching online as well. Um, so where do you stand on clickbait? Because I think some of your videos have quite clickbaity titles. Let's yeah. just let's just see if I can think of an example. Hold on a second. Well, you can probably yeah. think of. Uh, I mean, I uploaded a video recently. I think I called it like three secrets to getting fluent. Right. I mean, that's yes. that is super clickbaity, right? Yeah, let me what, see. Let what, me see. What are these three secrets that I that I have been hiding from everybody? Right, Luke. <laughs> yeah, you've got one of yours says stop speaking English wrong. Yeah. Um, another one says three steps for perfect English. Uh, um, three steps of and English. what else? What else have you got? Uh, one trick to learn English. Uh, yeah. to, one trick to learn everyday English, and and so on. Yeah, so quite clickbaity titles. Yeah, no, they are. Um, uh, you know, I'm I'm playing the game on on YouTube. Um, you know, I think there's there's like two, there's two ways to approach content creation that that I that that I have discovered. Right, which is the first way is that you follow the algorithm. Right, which is um, a great way to increase your chances of success. You know, so like what's trending. Um, you know, what's, um, what kind of, you know, within my field, like within English teaching, what are the videos that have like 5 million views each? What are the titles of those videos? Right. And you can, you can go down that path and you can follow the algorithm and you can make content that's more likely to, to become really successful, you know, or you can go the other way and you can, um, you can, uh, just basically make content that you're, that you think is really good and really passionate and you're really passionate about that you want to make content about and then kind of hope that it, you know, that it, it gets traction, right. But you obviously have a much lower chance, much lower probability of success doing that. Yes. Um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing both. <laughs> so basically I make videos about whatever I want to make a video about that I'm really interested in. And then I try to find a way to, when I upload it, I try to find a way to make it attractive to click on. Yes. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I obviously try not to misrepresent the, the content. Like if I say there's three steps, then in the video, you're going to find three steps, you know? Uh, and if I say there's one trick, then in the video, you're going to find one trick, but do, do they, do they, are they, um, are they misleading? Are they, Maybe, maybe, maybe in a I way, yeah. I don't think so, because actually a lot of the time what you do is you have a clickbaity title, but then the content of the video is sort of um, the antidote to that kind of thing in the sense that you, um, you know, it's like one secret for learning English and the secret is there is no secret or, um, you know, that sort of thing that you tend to, your the content is um, authentic and sincere despite the clickbaity title. Whereas the worst clickbait is where there's something promised in the title and absolutely nothing is really delivered at all because they've yeah. achieved what they needed to achieve, which is that you watch the advert at the beginning of the video. 
Yes. And it's like, right, well, there you go. Now I'm going to just spin this out for the next 10 minutes. But yours, at least there is some sort of message, which is like, there is no secret to learning this. Or, you know, that, that um, you know, grammar is, is not just about right and wrong, that there's a lot of gray area and this isn't always reflected in exams. And, you know, there is some content that backs it up, I think, often. Yeah, I mean, um, but I think you could argue that sometimes it is misleading. And I... I I would have to agree with that, but you know, this is um, this is just a result of um, you know, if you, I mean, I'm not going to lie, you know, I, I I want people to to to, to watch my content, um, and yeah, of course, it's, yeah. it's not it's not really about the money because, um, you know, unless you have, you know, millions of views like a month, which I don't have, unless you have that. You know, you're not, it, it's not a full-time job. You know, you can't live off, off ad revenue from YouTube. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not about, it's not about the, the, the money. It's just about, um, I don't know. I suppose I, I, I think my, I think my message is important. I want people to hear it. You know, that's just, mm. uh, na- narcissism maybe. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> Look at my lovely thick beard. Um, I mean, you, you, look, you, you, you want people to listen to your podcast, right? Yeah, and I'm sure yeah, it's, not, it's not about money for you either. I, I imagine. Well, I mean, a little bit, you know, obviously yeah, I need sure. to, I need to be able to pay for the time that I spend on doing this. So yeah, it's got to be worthwhile. If I didn't, uh, make a living from this, I wouldn't be doing it. So yeah, I mean, to an extent it's about the money, but yeah, of course I want people to listen to me. I want uh, my voice to be heard. I mean, you know, um, as a content creator, of course, you want your content to be consumed. As a mm. comedian, you want to have an audience. As an English mm. teacher, you want students in your class. If you're a radio presenter, you want people to be actually listening to the show. Um, so, yeah, I guess the clickbait is just part of the game, that you've got to get people to click on your content. And then, you know, what you deliver after that is is another question. We were talking before about how I think sometimes you present slightly controversial points of view or maybe sort of polemical points where you disagree with something or you sort of like smash myths and things are you trying to court uh some controversy or something I and mean, what's the motivation behind that are you trying to kind of blow people's minds or what do you, do you want to be do you want people to disagree with you are you like are you up for a scrap what what's going on uh yeah i i do i, I definitely get accused of that it's like um you're only doing this for attention. Like for example, with the, with, with the crashing video, um, there was a lot of accusations that I did it just, you know, just to get attention, uh, just for clicks, you know, um, which is absolutely, you know, which, which I, I can say genuinely it's not true, mm. but you know, obviously that's up to people, whether they believe me or not. Right. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm absolutely not afraid of controversy um in in places where I think it 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 deserves it's it's necessary you know um I mean um there are a lot of things that I see every day on you know on uh, on on like from YouTube channels or people selling courses you know promising things and I just I just think it's wrong and I think they should stop doing it and so I'm going to make a lot of noise about that. Um, yeah. Uh, but only where it's necessary. Like, um, you know, uh, there are some, 
there are some things that um there are some things that i would i would not uh, want to make any more controversy some areas right mm-hmm. um you know there there was a uh you know to be completely transparent you know there was a there was a moment there there was a moment there where it, i suppose i was um you know looking at other youtube teachers and i was like well that's not right so i'm going to call them out you know but i think uh i've decided that i'm i'm not going to do that anymore because um it's too complicated from a from like a social standpoint you know There's, yeah it's very fraught is, because yeah. you you end up dealing with the personalities of the people you're criticizing and what happens yeah. on social media which is when one figure criticizes another figure, then all the sort of a lot of followers will sort of pile pile in on that person, and you get that yeah. kind of situation, which is not necessarily what you wanted to do, I'm sure, but that kind of thing can happen, and that's very awful. Yeah. But you know what? It's great for all all of that. Um, you know, like bitching about other people and um, and you know, like a- attacking other people. It's great for views and clicks. <laughs> right it's great like if 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 i wanted to go down that road you know um they say that there's no such thing as bad publicity right it's so true. even if even if you have a million views and everybody hates you still a million views right so that that's a road you can go down imagine if you but, became the donald trump of english teaching <laughs> oh, wow. i gotta tell you folks luke thompson is a is, is a he's a horrible english teacher and believe me folks i know english teaching um if you suddenly started doing that that would be pretty shocking you're so good at that <laughs> um it was barack obama last time now it's trump um so oh there's lots of things i could t- ask you about like uh, a couple of years ago you were sort of like on a mission um about course books and workbooks so if i say the words if i say you know english language workbook to you what's your response uh where's the shredder (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm currently holding up a copy of english file upper intermediate do you like english file upper intermediate christian (laughs) um uh I, I the the urge in me is very strong to to rip that out of your hands and and throw it out of the window. Really, really, why? Oh, What's wrong with English I file? Everyone likes that, English file, don't they? I, I don't. Um, <laughs> no, I you know, um, I, I just I think the reason that I don't like workbooks is because I think that. Any English class would be immediately better if you just got rid of them. Yeah, but you say that. But when I was a, when I first started teaching, or like a couple of years in, or whatever, the idea of going into the class with nothing was absolutely terrifying. And books like English File and others were a lifeline for uh, an inexperienced teacher. And I learned yeah. so many things from from cool. those books but you have a case you have a case um against sort of the 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 uh, some of the uh, principles which underpin uh course books being used in the class yeah i mean um uh, i i have i have something you know i have my opinion about that and um 
you know, and and look, this is this is nothing. This is nothing personal, right? But um, you know, when when I, as as you said before, being born as a native speaker, we we automatically have this. We're born with this privilege of, you know, n- knowing knowing without any effort this global language, and you know, when I first started teaching, um, I had no right to be teaching because I didn't know a, a damn thing about about um teaching and i didn't know a damn thing about the english language except that i spoke it you you weren't qualified at that point no no i assume no No. i'm still not qualified i have never done a tefl course i've never done a uh celta delta Uh, i haven't been to university um nothing right i'm okay so you have no you have no qualifications at all (laughs) No, I, I, I dropped out of high school and, you know, I went and worked in a video shop in Blockbuster. Should I, should I have been um, teaching students? No, I shouldn't have been. Uh, but I was able to do it because two reasons. One, because um, I had this ability that I didn't, I didn't acquire through effort. I didn't, I didn't, you know, like knowing a language as a native speaker is not the same as as knowing it, you know, so that you can teach it, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd never heard of past perfect in my life, right? In my life, yeah, yeah. Um, of course, like like most, I think, like most monolingual native speakers of English, they don't have no idea about grammar, right? When I was doing my CELTA, which uh, you, you haven't done, Christian, very disappointing. But when I was doing my CELTA, I remember having to teach present perfect and stuff, and I just. I remember having a conversation in the kitchen with my mum and dad about what the hell present perfect was and we're all disagreeing and it, you know it was it was terrible i didn't know i didn't know what a lot of the grammar was and it's taken me quite a lot of effort and work and studying and you know lots of time spent trying to decode present perfect and what it is and what the problem is with it and and all that yeah. sort of stuff yes it takes a long yeah. time it does, you know, but but the, the, you know the other reason that I was able to immediately start work is because the students they had this idea, this preconceived idea that because I was a native speaker, I could teach them English, right? Mm-hmm. So it was just the, the combination of both of these things. It's like the arrogance of being a native speaker plus the willingness of the students. That combination. It works. And how many millions of English teachers are out there backpacking in China or Vietnam right now doing classes and they have no idea about language, right? Yes. Probably oh, a lot. Oh, yes. Right? Very many. Um, but I would say, I would say that, um, that they shouldn't be there, right? And if, if you're not, if you're not able to do classes without workbooks, then you're not ready, you know? Like, and I don't know if now looking back, if you agree with that, like, would you feel comfortable now with all your experience doing classes without pulling out the English file? I would. Yes. I'm just wondering when that happened. Um, I mean, you know, the beginning of my career, I was teaching in Japan and I've talked about it before on my podcast that uh, Mm. the conditions were pretty difficult. So I would have a nine hour day, uh, something like eight lessons um, during the day. At the beginning of the day, I didn't know who my students were and I'd have three or four students in each 
class. So you get it's pinned on the notice board at the beginning of the day what the classes are, and students are added as you go through the day. And it goes like this: you first lesson, um, you, you know, you've got like a few minutes beforehand to prepare. You look at the students and what they've done, and the lessons they haven't done. You find the ones that they all haven't done, and then you teach them that lesson you've got a few minutes to prepare the lesson and then you go in for 45 minutes and teach it then the bell goes and you've got 10 minutes from that moment until the bell goes for the next class to get out of the class uh write all your notes for each student put the files back find the new files for, for your next class work out what they need to do prepare and plan your entire lesson get in the class and start teaching it all in 10 minutes so uh i had to learn to kind of make it up as i went along quite a lot it was tough um so so i have had some experience of doing that but um you know teaching sort of uh, multinational groups of people from different countries in london where they've paid to travel to be there and the the, the pressure is really on that going in with nothing is is just crazy and also uh to having done um having done the delta which you know i'm very disappointed to know that you haven't done but uh, <laughs> uh doing the delta they were always said you know that with the delta you have to spend weeks preparing for one lesson where you've got a language point that you're going to teach in that lesson and you have to write a full essay explaining the ins and outs of, of that and then a fully break broken down lesson plan where every single moment is accounted for and then if you um yeah so you've got to prepare a lot and then of course what happens is in the classroom, you you have to be prepared to to throw the lesson plan out of the window and teach the students. But anyway, my point is what the yeah the idea of now I think I could go into class without any material and just kind of do it, and I do that a lot. But that I probably only got the confidence to do that. I don't know, even ten years ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, say. I think I think maybe something that I should make clear is um, I think that the choice is not between should we have workbooks or should we have nothing, right? That's not the choice. Um, yes. The choice is, should we do workbooks in which the content of what I'm teaching has been decided by other people, right? Who don't know me, who don't know my students, who don't know how much time I have, who don't know how many kids I have in my class, who don't know um, how old they are, what they're interested in, what the culture is, nothing. All they know is that they're in an office in London and here's a little box with 10 words about Shakira because let's do some pop music because pop music's cool and the kids love pop music and they love Shakira. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of thing. There's that choice. All the choices as a teacher, and, and, and I would hope as a teacher who's not teaching eight hours a day because that's just untenable it was was horrible yeah um you know as a teacher that you would take the time to ask your students you know not just take the time but have the time right to ask your students guys what what do you need right what are you interested in um how can i help you to achieve whatever your goal is right and let's make a plan based on that you know that's that to me is um just a, a kind of yeah. fundamental thing, right? Absolutely. And then, you, you know, to, to work out what their priorities are and their needs. But then I, what I would probably do after having that discussion is go off and find 
a combination of material and stuff that I've come up with myself, which then I think fits that thing. But what, what you've often said about workbooks is as one of the things I think you disagree with about them is the idea that there is a basic black and white right and wrong in language uh, learning. And that especially when learning grammar, you have these, let's say, even in tests or exercises, you have gap fills where there's supposed to be one uh, answer. And you gave an example in your uh, in one of your videos and the example was this after the match she admitted that she blank badly and the options are after the match she admitted that she played badly that she had played badly uh, or that she had been playing badly and mm. your point is that they're all possible all three yeah. uh, responses are possible. I mean, i'm sure that you can you can imagine you know you can instantly imagine three scenarios in which those sentences are possible right yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. How how can you tell a student they're wrong? <laughs> so the thing is with that question, after the match, she admitted that she played badly. She admitted that she had played badly. She admitted that she had been playing badly. Um, so when you discovered this, was there one answer that was given as the only correct answer in that? Yes, there was. Um, there was the, uh, the first option. I think she had. She, no, she played. She, yeah. She played badly. Yeah, yeah, there was one, um, and uh, the others were marked as the other. Uh, well, the the second answer, I think, uh, yeah. was marked in brackets as also possible, right? Okay, and then the third one was in, marked as incorrect. Um, and so, and so, you know, students develop this idea over time that there's got to be one way for me to do this. And, but the yeah. thing is that, you know, if I'm making a decision between which verb is correct, I need to know the whole story. You know, I need to know, you know, how does this fit in with other sentences or in, in the context? I mean, so I think it's very dangerous to teach students to just learn stuff in isolation you know. I think I have to say that that does that not support Stephen Krashen's model, which is that for him context is everything, and that understanding the eighty percent allows you to fill the blanks and and with the with the grammatical and meaning context, that's what helps you understand the grammar. You know, is that not uh, his point? I don't think that that's part of his theory, really. Um, not specifically that, right? But he does argue that you can kind of learn grammar through consuming uh, language, <clears throat> sort of. Um, you know, sure. you, you, I mean, look, yeah. you, you 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 can, right? I think we all we all know people that um, have moved to a new country um, and they've you know got a job or whatever, and within a year they're they're really you know really able to communicate really well, you know, um, mm -hmm. but they haven't done any study, you know, they've, they've picked it up through just trial and error through, um, the, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of, let's say, un probably uncomfortable and difficult work, you know, of being yes. in yes. situations where you don't understand and you don't have the words and, you know, it's, uh, but, um, number one, uh, number one, I would say that, um, if, if we're specifically talking about the input hypothesis, None of those people have only listened. They've also yeah. struggled over that time to participate, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and, and, and the second thing is that um, it, that takes a very specific type of personality 
You know, you have to be, you have to be really brave and you have to not be afraid at all of um, kind of making a fool of yourself. And also it's, it's also uncomfortable for other people, right? When they're kind mm. of waiting for you to produce this sentence um, and, you know, they have to wait 10 minutes because your, your, your Spanish or your French is so bad that you, you're sort of like, you know, um, Joe, um, you know, uh, hablar, and they're like, oh my God, just, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, so to, to be in a situation where you know that you're making others uncomfortable, that also, you know, takes a specific type of personality, right? And, mm. and, and, but the third thing, and I think this is the most important is that it's, it's not as fast or efficient to do it that way. You know, if a student, spent half of their time doing that horrible difficult stuff and the other half of their time hitting hitting you know hitting a bit of deliberate study a bit of grammar you know a bit of um uh, you know delib- when i say deliberate study i would say like focused attention so not yes. just reading a book but reading a paragraph and pulling it apart and taking the time to say why is it like this you know mm-hmm Doing that, that that person would would learn much faster. I think that's the key thing. You know? Yes, yeah, I I agree with the idea of combining different approaches and trying to you know the the balanced diet, trying to combine yeah, and do lots of diet. lots of things. I could yeah. we could talk more about lots of other things, but I would say maybe we can wrap up by just sort of saying, what are your what are your top tips for learning English, Christian? What is the secret to, to learning this language? Do you have any specific things that you could, um, you know, recommend or suggest that, what do you think learners should be doing? Regardless um, of what they shouldn't be doing, what, what should they be doing? Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I think that, I think that um, learners, and, and I, I, I hate to repeat myself, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it again. Right. I think that learners should, should always start with the question, what do I want? You know? Um, and, it's fine if you want to say, you know what, I actually have, um, I have no respect for this language. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm learning English because I've been forced to do it, you know, because I, I want to go to university, uh, you know, I want to go to university. So, you know, I just need to pass this exam or whatever I need to do. That's fine. Like, be honest with about your objective and do what you, you know, focus on what you need to do to get that done. Uh, if you just want to read, that's cool. You know, then you know that you can focus your attention on reading. Um, but, but if you want to be, let's say a balanced learner, right? So you want to be able to have conversations and read and talk about a variety of subjects. Um, then you have to practice those things, you know? So every, it always comes back to the, to the question of, of, of what do you want? Um, and, you know, the the same way as that people who are trying to lose weight, it's going to be very attractive when you see a product advertising something like the magic pill or, you know, this system or whatever it is that, you know, that seems, that seems too good to be true, you know? Mm-hmm. And if it seems too good to be true, then it, 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 it is, you know, not, it probably is, it is. Yeah. Um, so just, you have to, you have to just accept the fact that learning a language is probably the hardest thing that you'll try to do as an adult. 
Um, I think it's even more difficult than learning an instrument, which is already very hard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to take, it's not something that you just finish and it's done. It's something that you have to work on forever, like maintaining your weight or um, maintaining your guitar skills, you know? And so Definitely. the combination of knowing what you want and being realistic, I think is the secret to, to success. Okay. All right. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Thank you for talking to me and my audience about uh, about all these things. There's lots of other things I could have asked you, but we don't have time, I think. Um, part three. I, part three. Yes, it'll have to be a part three. Are, what are you working on at the moment? This is my final question. Are you working on something specific? Three? Three things? I'm working on three exciting projects. Um which uh, have been unfortunately delayed because of, you know, COVID and, you know, things. Um, Mm. So the first thing is I'm working on a project called blank workbooks, which are hopefully going to solve the problem that you talked about before. So a teacher who wants to, who wants to take control of the, what's happening in class, but is not experienced or confident enough to not live without a workbook. This will be the solution, the blank workbook. Uh, the second thing I'm working on is is an app is a, is an app which is uh, which is hopefully going to fulfill my ambition of creating a place where people can practice. So it's it's not about learning; it's about practicing because there's lots of apps for learning, like Duolingo and you know all that. Um, and the third thing is a, is a secret project that I can't t- tell you about. Oh. <laughs> Is it about the secret for learning English? <laughs> um, okay, great. But but um, before you go, let me ask you about Pencils of Promise and the project to build um, school or, a school or, in fact, schools uh, in sort of places that need them. Laos, I understand. What's the yeah. what's the situation with the project at the moment? Yeah. So l- last time I talked to you, uh, we were kind of in the middle of raising this money to build a school. And I'm happy to say that in, uh, I think in May, yeah, I think it was in May, uh, we reached our fundraising target. So we raised $50,000 to build a school. And wow. it's going to be in a very small community in the north of the country of Laos. Um, and there's like 136 students who, who go to the school. Um, at the moment, some of the students... Uh, there's not enough space for them in the school they have now. So they have to walk um, three three or four kilometers each way every day to go to school. Wow. And when the school's built, they won't have to do that. Um, but I, I think the thing I want to say about it is that it was, uh, you know, it was a, it was a kangaroo community project and it was hundreds of ordinary people who, who don't actually have a lot of money who were extremely generous uh, and we all worked together to raise this money. And um, uh, yeah, we're pretty excited uh, about the fact that sometime early next year, there's going to be this school. So um, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it is. And amazing. The, the, the project continues. Am I right? So you're also going to continue raising money to, to pay for other, uh, schools yeah. as well i think yeah yeah um I, I want to make uh i'm i'm kind of working with pencils of promise um uh to for example today i'm giving a presentation about global english uh to their to their team 
um, uh, which is actually training for native speakers, teaching native speakers how to interact in this world where we are completely outnumbered by non-native speakers, right? Yes. And we have a lot of work to do because we are bad communicators in English. Absolutely. Yeah, and this is really, really interesting. And I've I've always thought that uh, native speakers who are communicating with non-native speakers need training so that they're not using idioms all the time. They're, they're sort of, um, they're understanding what, uh, what uh, uh, non-native speakers have to deal with when understanding them. Um, yeah, really interesting. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's exactly what we're doing. And we're talking about idioms and we're talking about um, all of the types of language that make international communication really difficult, right? And, you know, we again, we, ta- we take too much advantage of our privilege as native speakers, and but we're the ones losing out, right? Yeah. Not, 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 not the non-native speakers, it's us. So we have work to do, right? The attitude's a bit sickening, isn't it? Where it's basically like a native speaker says, well, you're the one learning my language. You have to make 100% of the effort and I will just carry on speaking in exactly the same way uh, without bending to help you at all. Um, it can Everything can be so much easier if the native speakers just sort of made a bit more effort to, to yes. change their position yes. a bit. Exactly, exactly. So that's, I mean, that's a really interesting area, I think, of you know, in, in the future to, I'm going to be doing, talking a bit more about that. Um, but yeah, um, uh, in the future, I would like to make uh, pencils of promise. You know, I would like to make building schools part of what I do, you know, because yeah. it's just very satisfying actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do, yeah. do you still need contributions or volunteers or help at all? Um, at, at the moment, fundraising is paused for summer, right? Everyone's taking a break. Uh, for summer, but in September we're going to be starting again uh, to build school number two, um, and uh, I'm going to be making announcements uh, on my social media and through my newsletter. If if anyone is interested in helping to build schools, then um, then yeah, you you can uh, you'll I'll, I'll be making announcements about that. Yeah, your your newsletter is on your website, I guess. Yeah, so if you uh, go to kangaroenglish.com, uh you'll find um you'll find uh you can subscribe to my newsletter or um yeah, I'm going to be making announcements there about about stuff, so yeah. Okay. Very good. Thanks, thanks for the oh. thanks for the opportunity to to talk about that. I it's appreciate right. it. Yeah, it's a pleasure, of course. Uh, okay, good luck with the workshop today and uh and we look forward to finding out about these projects including the secret one. Sounds interesting. <laughs> okay, Christian, have a good day. Thanks a lot. Thanks, thanks, Luke. Awesome. English, 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 English. Yes, English, 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 dude, English, 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 So that was Christian from Kangaroo English. Thanks again to Christian. And here we are at the end of yet another episode. I wonder what you thought of the points which came up in that conversation. Feel free to let us know in the comments section or perhaps under the YouTube version of this. Where do you stand on things like comprehensible input, workbooks and clickbait titles? Let us know. 
for me, this is one of the last episodes I'm recording before officially starting my summer holiday. As usual, I have loads of stuff to record and publish before I go away, and I might end up recording some of it while I am back in the UK. But here's a little overview of what's in the pipeline right now. So um, after this, we've got, I'm planning to do a summer ramble where I just ramble on about sort of recent bits of news and certain little announcements and things. So that should be coming soon. And then after that, I've got a series of episodes which I recorded a few months ago now and that have been waiting to be published. These are the ones that have been in the pipeline for so long. And uh, so I've got three episodes in which I tell you a story. And I've been thinking, shall I reveal the story? And I think I will. So I'm, I'm going to be reading extracts from War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. People have been asking me for more story uh, content, and um, it's uh, it's a little tricky to find the right kind of stories. But anyway, I, I chose this one. I've got lots of other stories planned as well, but I've, I chose this one this time. It's one of my favourite stories, and uh, so three episodes where I read extracts from uh, that story and explain certain things. Also in the pipeline is the whole series of P31, that's Premium Series 31, called What Did Jill Say? That'll be six parts. Um, three parts focusing on language, breaking down language, helping you understand it, helping you to use it, grammar and vocabulary. And then three parts focusing just on the pronunciation. So giving you pronunciation drills, where I repeat sentences that contain the target language, you have to repeat them. So that's P31. So those are things in the pipeline, but I've got lots of other lessons, lessons, uh, episodes planned. Um, but anyway, I have my work cut out. Um, I'd like to kind of get those, all that content out over the next few weeks, but I am going on holiday. In terms of holiday, we're going back to the UK to stay at my parents' place and we will have to deal with the whole quarantine thing. We're going to have to quarantine there and, you know, you have to take day two and day eight tests and all that stuff. It's quite annoying. But after we quarantine, we will be going to a posh campsite for some glamping. So glamping, do you know what that is? It's like camping, but uh, it's kind of glamorous camping. So you can call it glamping. Um, so we're going to go and do some glamping and stay in a nice tent, which has got actually got like um, plug sockets in it for charging your phone and a fire pit outside and a barbecue and stuff. It should be nice. I hope the weather will be okay. So but generally spending a couple of weeks in the UK. Meanwhile, our new flat in Paris, so I'll, I'll be explaining more of this in the in the rambling episode, but our new flat in Paris is being demolished at the moment on the inside and then being remade to our specifications. Uh, so let's hope that all goes according to plan. Anyway, as I said, I'll talk more about all this stuff in, in that rambling episode, which is coming up next, I hope, although I haven't actually recorded it yet. I don't know when I'll be able to do it. But anyway, that's coming uh, soon. But in any case, I will speak to you again soon in some form. Um, but for now, it's just time for me to say to everyone in Lepland, have a lovely sleep, because obviously you're all going to bed now, aren't you? Because that, <laughs> for some reason, I imagine at the end of every episode, everyone's sort of tucked up in bed and you're all going to go to sleep now. But that's the end of the episode. You're all tucked up in bed. You've brushed your teeth and everything. Very good. OK, well, have a lovely sleep and I'll speak to you in the morning. OK. All right, everyone. Good night. Okay, goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.
Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.